0: This is a Broad Pods production. This is Broad Radio for you, by you. Broad
1: Radio here for more.
2: Hello and welcome to Broad Radio. I'm Joe Stanley and my co-host today is Angela Pipos. Hi there, Ange. Hi Joe, good morning. Oh, it's so great to see you. We have a full show again today. Coming up on the show, it is Ovarian Cancer Awareness Month. So we're going to be joined by Annie Mulders, who is an ovarian cancer survivor and ambassador for Ovarian Cancer Australia. And honestly, her story and the way she shares it with such in- incredible honesty herself is indeed saving lives. So we're looking forward to speaking with her. Also today, the hilarious Denise Scott joins us to tell us about all of life's disappointments. (laughs) Um, of which I'm sure there are many for all of us. (laughs) Where do you start? (laughs) Oh, it's absolutely true, And So we're looking forward to having a laugh with her because we absolutely need it this week. In just a moment, we're going to be joined by Zoe Daniel, author, journalist and expert in politics, and she's going to bring her analysis of the Liberal Party's response to Brittany Higgins' rape allegations in this terribly shocking and very, very heartbreaking story. Now, Ange, before we get into it, I want to encourage everybody who might be watching on YouTube, or even if you're not watching on YouTube, if you're watching on Facebook, why don't you head over to YouTube, like and and subscribe on our YouTube page at Broad Radio Oz because um, you know some funny things went on with Facebook this week.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and we feel a little I like bit the way mixed... you describe that. Funny things went on with Facebook.
2: Oh, well, it was completely beyond anybody's control and uh, we're fortunate enough to still be on Facebook. We do love being a part of that and we love our community on Facebook, but mm-hmm. uh, we feel a little bit more secure on YouTube right now. So if you want to remain engaged with Broad Radio and never miss a show um, either live or in catch-up afterwards, um, yeah, why don't you go over and like and subscribe us there on YouTube. Now, the other thing that uh, we need to mention before we get to welcoming Zoe Daniel is we just wanted to warn that some viewers might find some of this content disturbing and if you do feel the need for assistance we really encourage you to call 1-800-RESPECT that is of course a national line 24 7 1-800-RESPECT So it's been just over a week since former Liberal staffer Brittany Higgins uh, told the world of her alleged rape at uh, the hands of a colleague in 2019 in Parliament House. And since then, there have been daily updates, although it does seem like in these developments we're not getting a clearer idea of the Liberal Party's response to this uh, really shocking and devastating story. So to get an analysis and an update On really how we're sitting today, in uh, just only it's been a week and a bit, and so much has happened. We welcome uh, Zoe Daniel. Hi there, Zoe.
3: Good morning, Joe and
2: Zoe. Can you give us an update? Where do we stand so far on this uh, story?
3: You know, Joe, in your introduction, you mentioned two things one is brave women, and the other is disappointing moments in life. And unfortunately, uh, this saga has both. Uh, as you said, this initially broke when Brittany Higgins, a, a formerly a young Liberal staffer, alleged that she was raped in a minister's office after a function when she was very drunk a couple of years ago. Uh, what has since happened is that three other women have come forward and made allegations against the same Liberal staffer that she alleges was the perpetrator of this act. Now, this gives rise to several questions. One key one is who knew within the Liberal Party and indeed within Parliament generally that this had happened? Why was the Prime Minister not told as he says he wasn't or indeed does he actually know or did he actually know? Uh, And then just where does that leave us? If there are now four women making allegations against the same man, when what appears to have happened is that this was kept quiet for political reasons. Uh, Now, Linda Reynolds, the defence minister whose office in which this is alleged to have happened, says that she didn't pass on the information or or make it public because of Brittany Higgins' right to privacy. Uh, The young woman has, in the last week, as you said, made that decision to come forward. Uh, But that then leaves us in in a quagmire of what are the parliamentary reporting requirements around this kind of allegation. Uh, Many people knew about it, including security guards, members of the Australian Federal Police, uh, ministers, ministerial staffers, two of whom it appears now work in the Prime Minister's office. Was he not told, as he says, Uh, Was he not told so that he could say that he didn't know, Uh, which gives rise to a whole other set of questions about what's most important in this situation, the alleged victim or the politics or the way this looks for the party uh, attached to the incident? Zoe and Joe, I am so angry
0: about this, and we should be angry about this. I'm angry about the alleged rape. I'm angry about the response to it and all the political manoeuvring around it. I'm angry that it still gets referred to as a sex scandal Mm. rather than an alleged crime. And I'm angry about nothing has happened to fix this culture at federal parliament. And people have said, well, you know, that sense of male entitlement is everywhere. Is it really any worse In federal parliament but i think you know we elect these people to represent us so it's almost like we've got skin in the game here ourselves and it cuts deep because they shape the culture you know they 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 are this is an important institution so it does feel like this is a really really serious um sequence of events and we're just not being told everything And Zoe's right, you know, the most important thing is the alleged victim and the Mm -hmm. fact that they juggled this and there appears to have been a cover-up is frankly just disgusting and we shouldn't put up with it. Uh,
3: Unfortunately, I think too, as you suggest, Ange, that this has been kind of conflated with the uh, bonk ban that was previously uh, instituted after the Barnaby Joyce situation, where he partnered up with one of his staffers. You know, this is an alleged crime. This is an allegation of rape. This is a mm. a, a very uh, different set of circumstances, or a step far beyond that. Now, perhaps it is, and, and in my mind, no doubt, it is linked to cultural issues. Within Parliament, um, but it needs to be taken far more seriously than just sort of marking it down as part of a, a male dominated or boyo drinking culture that goes on in that place. Now, unfortunately, the Prime Minister said this week something along the lines of if you think that Parliament is the only place where this is happening, you're naive. Well, okay except that, in my mind, parliament is not a place that is uh, particularly conducive for women to work. Uh, We know that, for example, in senior ministerial ranks, it is very male dominated. Uh, We also know that you have lots of senior, older, powerful men and lots of young women. So there is a serious power imbalance Uh, working in an environment where people work extremely long hours. uh, There's a lot of alcohol involved and there's a lot of ambition. And you have young women who really want to uh, move up the ranks of politics in in various ways. Therefore, when or if something does happen, they're reluctant to, to call it out for fear that it will negatively affect their career or that it might negatively affect their party. Now, I'm interested to note that Louise Milligan, who has done substantial work on this issue for the ABC and did a piece for Four Corners some time back, which received huge pushback by the government before it aired, um, has written a story this morning saying that many women in politics who are staffers and otherwise have come to her in the last week really angry about this, uh, making the point that, Even those on the Labor side have said that perhaps they don't want to come forward if something like this has happened to them because it could affect their party at the next election, which really says kind of a lot about where I started, which is Mm. what's most important here.
2: Yeah, absolutely, and obviously what's most important is the alleged victim, but this speaks to just culturally across the board that it, it responds to these sorts of uh, instances are just never putting victims at the centre of the response.
3: Yeah, and what happens to Brittany Higgins now? Mm. You know, her choices were pretty narrow. She She alleges this happened to her, it's plainly affected her deeply as it would over the last couple of years, she had to leave her job. Um, you know, it's it's eroded her her confidence. It's eroded her emotionally. Uh, she felt like she wasn't supported. All all those things that that she felt. In the end, she she made a decision to come forward. There are now allegations that the the government was briefing journalists against her now partner, alleging that because he's a former public servant, he had some sort of axe to grind and therefore that's influenced her decision to come forward. But what was her other choice? Well, just keep her mouth shut mm. and kind of pursue some other career Uh, forget about working for the Liberal Party or in politics or or whatever that she aspired to do. But at at the end of the day, she either had to carry this for her whole life and keep her mouth shut or carry it for her whole life and open her mouth. Because unfortunately, Brittany Higgins is going to be remembered for this. And I, I really hope that when we view that through through that prism we view how brave Mm. this is you know there are three other women who've come forward with allegations against this person Uh, at least one of them is anonymous and why is that because it's not good for you to to call this stuff out and you know i got to thinking about this a lot because having been in the us when the whole me too um, movement reignited, that, you know, that, that opened the way for us to talk about this more openly, to really tackle it a, a bit better. But are we actually? Mm. Uh, are, we, are we really? Because, you know, I'm not convinced that Brittany Higgins will be easily able to shed this and she will carry it, and it shouldn't have to be that way. And as others have pointed out, you know, in terms of the government's handling of this, and there's a lot to talk about there, um, you know, there's already been a sexual harassment inquiry into behaviour in the workplace. It took two years to put together. It came out a year ago. Not one of its recommendations has been implemented.
2: But where does that leave us then, Zoe, as far as, you know, Brittany Higgins has called for reform and uh, now, you know, lots of women within parliament, it seems, are full of rage about this and want some shifting of the culture. Where does that leave us in this, you know, the highest, this should be the building that you're safest in the country, surely?
3: Well, you know, being a journalist, not a policymaker, it's all well and good for, you know, me to say, oh, this is how you fix this. You know, this is entrenched. This is so deeply entrenched. But in my mind, the first thing is a genuine, independent, no-holds-barred inquiry into what is going on. Not internal inquiries, not party-oriented inquiries, not inquiries that you can control Let's let all these spiders out of the box. Let, mm-hmm. Let's take an actual look and then put in place a proper independent complaints process where women feel and indeed men mm-hmm. feel that they can come forward in, in a safe space mm-hmm. to report and have things properly investigated. And then there's a further and sort of deeper, more cultural problem, duh, which is get more women involved <laughs> mm-hmm, in yes. politics and also the mm-hmm. kind of running of that place, and and what's that about? Actually, changing the kind of setup of how how all of that operates. I'm, I'm reminded of a, an article that Greg Combe wrote, former minister, former head of the ACTU, about how incredibly demanding it was. Being a federal politician, having to leave his family on a Sunday night, fly up to Canberra, go to an empty apartment, you know, to a
4: Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role.
3: how it was, you know, not sustainable uh, for him as a man and that was one of the driving reasons that he left politics. Well, for women that's compounded even more and then you have all these cultural issues overlaid on that. You know, until you get more women into that system in in a broader sense, it's going to be very difficult to change these entrenched um, behaviours, I think. And you have to have the
0: will to want to change the culture. And former Senator Amanda Vanstone mm-hmm. wrote a piece yesterday about the heady mix of federal parliament where you have lots of young advisors, they work hard, they play hard, it's a pressurised job. And she was offering up an excuse by saying that it's, um, it's hard to change that. That heady mix is potent and it'll always be there rather than no if you inject some respect and responsibility into the joint um that'll change though that behavior will will break down it was a defeatist article and it upset me because it doesn't have to be like that you need to have the will to change it
3: yeah and accountability and Mm. you know i think the three of us spoke briefly about this. A couple of days ago, you know, what would this, what would happen in this situation if this happened? Uh, I don't know, in a company, a large corporate. W- what if it was in the Australian cricket team? You know, it, it would not be stood for. It would be followed up now that it's come out, and probably the chairman or chief executive would have to resign. You know, there'd be a a, a big shakeup. Is that going to happen? In this Mm. case, or the way the news cycle works, it's it's a case of, "Well, that was very brave of you, Brittany Higgins," and now we all move on because Facebook doesn't allow news anymore, Um, and the wheel turns and it's it's over. Yeah, and nothing really changes.
2: It really does feel as though there's not enough accountability.
3: And what all those questions
0: do is they cover up the bigger, the bigger conversations mm. that we need to have about respect and about consent mm. and about sexual assault and rape being a very serious crime. And it seems like with all this talk about who knew what and when and, and you know, where they were at the time, we're missing out on mm-hmm. these important conversations that we need to have because clearly there's confusion about consent and there shouldn't be.
2: Absolutely right. Well, we actually wish to return the conversation next week to people who have experienced, uh, in this instance, uh, we're going to be speaking about harassment generally in the workplace because we're going to be joined next week by National Head of Injuries at Morris Blackburn Lawyers, Liberty Sanger, and she'll be taking your calls about employee rights. So we do invite you to contact us. You can message us at broadradio.com.au, on our uh, contact page there, or you can message us on Facebook or YouTube. Um, reach out to us privately if you wish if you have a question for liberty sanger next week on the show um because uh yeah we very much want to put uh people who have experienced these kinds of situations at the center of the conversation zoe thank you so much for that really in-depth analysis of what's going on and oh where else where is this going to land who knows
3: yeah let's just hope that we get some action That's Mm. all we can do for the moment and keep pushing.
2: Mm. Yeah, absolutely. We'll be back with more broad radio after this. It is Ovarian Cancer Awareness Month which is all about raising awareness of the signs and symptoms of ovarian cancer and to tell us uh, her story of diagnosis and living with ovarian cancer we're joined by the very wonderful Annie Moulders who is an ovarian cancer survivor and ambassador for ovarian cancer Australia hello there Annie
5: hi good morning thanks for having me
2: oh thanks for coming on broad radio it's really wonderful that you're sharing your story so honestly um can you tell us about your
5: diagnosis Sure. Um, I was diagnosed with ovarian cancer about seven years ago now. Um, I had two tiny little boys who were five and seven at the time. And I'd been to the GP four or five times with various symptoms like bloating and I had stinging wee. And I kept feeling really sick in the gut. So I was telling my husband, I've got a nut allergy or something. I kept coming up with every excuse in the world to kind of explain that I was just feeling really unwell all the time. And then one night I had really bad pain. Um, so the following morning I went to the GP again and insisted on an ultrasound. And even then the GP was saying this could be lots of other things, but I said, no, I want an ultrasound, and they found an 11-centimetre tumour. And I have a rare type of ovarian cancer, so my type of ovarian cancer comes with a solid rock tumour, which meant that I had those symptoms. So in a way I was very lucky. Most ovarian cancers are more like salt and pepper so they don't bring um those symptoms to warn you but they do give you little symptoms so you do feel little things so i say it whispers cancer it doesn't shout
0: right it sounds like annie that you had to drive this yourself you had to keep persisting to to find out what was making you feel like that is that the experience with other women as well because it could be
5: a number of things causing those symptoms that's right so I mean look you know there's no blame laid because the symptoms are very vague for ovarian cancer however one of the best things my oncologist ever told me because I asked her I said how am I ever going to know you know if this is ovarian cancer again like how will i ever be able to pick it and she said the difference with cancer is the symptoms don't go away so if your symptoms persist for up to a month you know something's really wrong period pain comes and goes bloating comes and goes that's different when the symptoms stay with you you need to push for your own answers and i'm a really big believer that we're all the only ones who can be our best advocate for our own health you have you know your body and you know when something's wrong. I really knew something was wrong and I'm glad I pushed for those answers because it mean, meant that I was diagnosed at an early stage. And with this type of disease, that's life and death. If I hadn't been diagnosed as early as I would was, I wouldn't be here.
2: Annie, that is one of the challenges, isn't there? That there is no early diagnosis test for ovarian cancer. And I think a lot of women think that Like a pap smear tests for ovarian Mm. cancer, but it doesn't, does
5: it? No, absolutely not. There's a lot of confusion. A pap smear tests for cervical cancer, so that's quite different to ovarian cancer. There is no test for ovarian cancer. So that's one of the biggest challenges. And, you know, the truth is there's no visual test either. It literally is found under the microscope in pathology once um, tumours have been removed. So the most important thing is to know that your symptoms are persisting and push for those um, answers so that you actually have you know, surgery that removes any suspicious um, tumours and then can be discovered about that it's ovarian cancer, which is pretty scary. And one of the really hard things, I guess, to swallow when you're an ovarian cancer patient is that there's just not enough funding to encourage the research required to find treatment options and testing. So 54% of women die within five years um, with ovarian cancer. And to shed perspective on that, those odds are 10 times worse than they are for breast cancer. Now, obviously no one wants a cancer competition, but the reality is breast cancer has done an amazing job through funding to invest in research for treatment options that actually work. With ovarian cancer, if my cancer comes back, they'll treat me, but they'll treat me with you know, drugs that they are pretty sure won't work. So, you know, having treatment options is something else I'm really passionate about. And, you know, encouraging everybody to donate and even the government to get on board and invest in this disease because 1400 women a year are dying from ovarian cancer. And that's appalling.
0: And Annie, do you think that discrepancy in funding and research is linked to the fact that our ovaries are hidden, um, out of sight, out of mind?
5: (laughs) But do you think there's, there's something in that? Oh, I definitely think. There's a couple of reasons. I definitely think it's not a very sexy disease and it's not highly discussed. We don't discuss it with our young women. We don't discuss it with children, you know, ovaries, even in, you don't really ever discuss them unless something's wrong when you're trying to have a baby. I mean, that's the only time they ever come up. So that's one reason. But I also think one of the reasons is there's very few survivors to wave the flag. You know, one of the reasons I speak for Ovarian Cancer Australia every time they ask me to is because too many women are dead. They don't have enough women to ask. So because the survival rates of other cancers are so high, there's millions of people waving the flag and raising money. But with ovarian cancer, because everybody dies, we don't have that support. So I feel that really it's time for you know the government and the community to step up and really drive change for this disease. And and certainly recently there's been some um, government funding for support services for women who have survived, which is great, but I want big funding for investment in treatment options so that we can actually drive change for, this, for the outcomes and more women can actually survive it.
2: Annie, what is it like for you to be constantly telling the story though, and to have now this uh, disease constantly a part of your life
5: um look i have various ways of dealing with that sometimes it gets to me um particularly um when one of the women that i've known throughout this journey dies i find that extremely difficult and that's happened to me a number of times i have one of my best friends from high school actually died from ovarian cancer so that was really difficult and um certainly sharing the story for me is almost like a mission. Like I feel like that's what has driven some change and that's the story people need to hear for it to become real. You know, it's like to understand that it's a mum with two kids who's absolutely terrified they're going to forget her or even worse, think she abandoned them. You know, my greatest fear was that they wouldn't understand and they'd think I'd run away. Like that was my greatest fear, and you know, I look at I look back at that, and you know, I can't believe we got through that as a family. And I'm I count every day. Let me tell you, mm-hmm. I count every day with those boys. Well, Can you, you tell- have
0: become a tireless campaigner. Sorry, Joe, a tireless campaigner um, raising awareness and with the public, but also <laughs> with with politicians as well. You've done an awesome job. What's the most important message that you want to get out today?
5: Oh, look, there's a couple. I'll start with the first one is listen to your body. You have to listen to your own body. You've got to be your own biggest health advocate. That's the first thing. Secondly, if you can, please donate to Ovarian Cancer Australia and, um, you know, to help us find those treatment options that can help these women survive. We need to move the dial on survival rates with ovarian cancer and the only way we're going to do that is with breadth of support and investment in research so that we can discover those ways that treat these cancers
2: and can you take us through just quickly as we wrap up what are the symptoms that we should be looking out for
5: sure um bloating now remember persistence if it's persistent so bloating urinary symptoms any changes to the bowel Um, Increased abdominal size and abdominal pain are the most significant ones. Any change to um, urinary symptoms. So just to explain how that worked for me, I had stinging wee. I thought I had a UTI. So I went back again and again and again. It kept saying you don't have a UTI. But I felt like I had a UTI. So that stinging wee Was actually what was really um, significant for me.
2: And as we've said, those symptoms are so common for many other things. So, yeah. Remaining. So, it's about them not
5: going away. Yeah. That's when you know to go and say, I want every test under the sun. Mm -hmm. I want you to look at everything. I want to write everything out.
2: And also not to be intimidated by your health professional, which I think often can happen for women, particularly younger women. And, of course, this is a disease that young women do have.
5: That's right. I mean, it's more highly diagnosed in older women, but I was only 40, so Mm -hmm. I consider that pretty young. And my girlfriend was in her 30s. So definitely in our circle we weren't old so I feel like it's really important for girls um, and you know young women as well as older women to look out for those symptoms and to be really aware when they're not going away. So and, that's the most important thing.
2: Yeah, Annie, thank you so much for sharing your story. It is truly, it's breathtaking to hear you speak about it in that oh, way. Oh, thank really, you. Yeah, it just makes you realize how critical it is that we mm. look out for our own health, but also each other's. You know, remind each other. Totally. To, to check in on your on your health And yes, donate And tomorrow is Teal Ribbon Giving Day Which means on Teal Ribbon Giving Day All donations will be tripled And used to increase support and care For women living with ovarian cancer And their families So to donate, head to ovariancancer.net.au It's there on the screen Or you can call the Ovarian Cancer Helpline 1300 334 Annie, thank you so much for sharing your story We're so happy that you're here to tell us this story Oh,
5: thanks So am I. I'm happy too.
2: Count every day. (laughs)
5: Yeah, amazing. It's been great. Thank you so much for supporting ovarian cancer Australia.
3: Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince.
0: Broad Radio. Talking inspo we love, info we need and sharing more of us. Watch and listen live every Tuesday 9am Australian Eastern Daylight Savings Time at broadradio.com.au or find us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube and LinkedIn at Broad Radio Oz. Talk to us live. Call on 1300 8BROAD. Catch up on demand anytime, anywhere, every time, everywhere. On the train, we'll be here. 2am. existential crisis. <laughs> We've got you covered. Broad radio.
2: Here for more. Now and I have a theory that there are some people in life who are universally loved, right? I would say Hugh Jackman is one of these people. Yes, do you agree? I agree. Yes. Yep. And well, Denise Scott, our next guest. I don't know if she's been compared to Hugh Jackman before, (laughs) but she's (laughs) one of my favorite comedians and she joins us now. Hi there, Scotty. Oh, universally loved. Thank you,
1: Joe. That's a really good suck up way to start (laughs) the interview. And good morning to you, Angela. I know you feel the same.
0: I do, I do. I echo everything Joe has just said. We love you. That's all
1: that needs to be said.
2: Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, great, great for you to join us. Thanks very much. Have a great week. Um, no. <laughs> well, no, let's get straight to the point. You are doing a show with Judith Lucy, your dear friend, uh, at the Malthouse yes. Theatre in the next three Sundays and this show is called Disappointments, I understand. Um, yeah. Have you had many in life? What's your well, top this one? this is
1: the <laughs> When, when Judith and I started uh, this as a live, scripted, um, well-thought-out, crafted stage show, mm. we called it Disappointments because at the time um, we were both really disappointed. Judith, um, it was whatever was happening in her personal life and my career had just gone kaput. In fact, i have been working on a specifically I'd been working on a sitcom. <clears throat> sorry, oh not getting emotional, just old age burping. <laughs> but um <laughs> so, oh well may you cackle with laughter oh, I'm jokes so, I'm sorry. <laughs> You just spontaneously burp. You would have seen it in people. The burp, They just burp and keep talking. I'm uh, <laughs> like, straight. Keep talking. We're not, oh, no, we're not far not behind you. It's true. <laughs> yeah. But um, so uh, I, this is some years ago, five years ago or whatever, working the whole year on a sitcom and for Channel 7 and uh, it finally got a pilot up and pilot made. And it was rejected. And it was so disappointing to me. And I remember at the time, Judith said, Judith Lucy said, you can't take that personally, Scotty. And I said, Judith, it was a show about a 60-year-old female Mm -hmm. comedian and her name was (laughs) Denise. So very hard not to take the rejection personally. So anyway, I took to my bed. Mm -hmm. I, I took to my bed. And um, have been there pretty much ever since. (laughs) Um, I love them a bit. And anyway, Judith and I decided why don't we write a show? And we can only write what we know. And so we just decided to write about disappointments. And it couldn't have had more resonance with an audience. It was unbelievable. We thought it would be seen as um, negative and maybe not exciting to people, but oh my God, people came in droves. And people, um, if you saw them before the show, after the show, would grab you. Let me tell you my disappointment. And it often be about their adult kids. <laughs> <laughs> adult kids came in for a bit of a beating, husband, um, you know, careers. Um, body health issues, and people loved sharing their disappointments. And then, so, sorry, this is a tremendously long-winded answer. That's okay. But, We've got time. But, but then, So we, we did two versions of that and stayed so show and toured around the country and it was really a wonderful, a joyful show to do because we finished it Dancing in our flesh-coloured leotards, mm-hmm. doing ribbon <laughs> dancing to um, to the speaker's version of "We Are One, But We Are Many," uh, and and the audience lost their minds. It was a huge <laughs> action kind of moment, actually, Joe. And and then, uh, of course, life goes on. And then uh, Judith, Judith seems to have. The luck when it comes to getting disappointments in her life, (laughs) she had a tremendous um, love disappointment, a terrible love story, and um, and I just didn't get out of bed, so I was still in bed. And we decided over COVID to do a Zoom, a podcast, Zoomcast thing, Zoomcast, and then which was very loose and. very non-scripted. And then we decided, well, you know, they say you can't polish a turd, but <laughs> well, Judith and I just polished and polished and polished turd and kept making money out of it. And so now we've turned the Zoomcast loose structure into a stage show, where we actually get audience to email us Problems, or if they want love and because of COVID they actually have to either get up on stage with us standing, you know, the other side of the stage or at the Malthouse shows they're standing sort of to the side of us facing the audience. It's quite a big deal. And, man, the stories we are getting, the stories we are getting, we offer no help.
0: We've helped absolutely no one thus far. <laughs> But the journey has been so entertaining. Well, Denise, given that life is full of so many disappointments, is the key message then that we all have to just temper our expectations about life and perhaps just rein them in a little bit. Or is that defeat? Oh you, you see, I'm the opposite to reining them in.
1: Uh, and <laughs> I tend to lack discipline. I, for instance, in lockdown, and this is a true story, Angela. I started um, in the big lockdown in Melbourne, I started journaling. And one of the things I wrote in my journal, because I was starting to, well, I didn't have rules, I didn't have boundaries, I thought I've got to get some. And so I wrote in my journal, I must not drink, Mm -hmm. which is a fair enough sentiment, except that wasn't the end of the sentence, (laughs) it was, I must not drink during the day <laughs> or after I go to bed Be- because what had happened was, this is what happened to me in lockdown, and it happened again in the snap five-day lockdown we just had in Melbourne. Um, I get up at 4 o'clock, you know, go to the toilet a we On my way back, I think, oh, bucket, I feel like a gin and tonic. I'll have one. I've got nothing. I've got to get up for. No one went nowhere to go. Just sit down, and have a nice tea and tea. In the middle of the night. In the middle of the night, ladies, and I know that your program probably doesn't encourage this sort of behaviour. This isn't probably the best way to deal with life's lemons, but uh,
2: anyway. Oh well, you squeezed life's lemons into your gin and tonic, and oh, look. Yeah,
1: good one, Joe. The it with bag.
2: <laughs> so I, I need to raise with you actually a, a life disappointment that you and I share, and I think many women do. Um, you know, once you're sort of over 45, I'm 48, um, and that is facial hair. So my my whiskers yeah. are just, I, they're, be, they're a constant obsession for me because I really quite like the feeling of them at the end of my fingertips. So I start to become quite fond of one particular you know, whisker after a while, and then I think, oh, no, I've got to pluck the shit out of that one. But, you know, I'm almost sad to see it go sometimes. (laughs) But but you too have this facial hair issue.
1: Well, it became quite a thing for Judith and I to discuss during lockdown because, of course, in Melbourne, um, beauticians were actually closed for over four months you couldn't go to one. And that's when I became quietly desperate. And, I, you know, like everyone knows about the toilet paper, you know, the aisles, the shelves being empty. Well, did you try the self-waxing strip? <laughs> chemist warehouse? I know who sponsored this program, empty. You could not get a self-waxing strip. There was nothing left. And I have to say that I tried those and they just gave me red welts like on my upper lip, and then it was <laughs> Judith Lucy who genuinely suggested I try the lady shaver thing. If you've seen it, oh, oh, I have got one. I've got my beauty <laughs> bag. I can show you. <laughs> it's always ready to go. Have I got one? <laughs> so, I <have. laughs> so it's a, a it's demo. A, it's a, see, can you see that? Yes. It's quite small. You can so you and then you just you know um, hear oh, that. Yes. Anyway, so that's it. And I know, but it's, it's really subtle. So <laughs> I, I got one. Cause yes. It's subtle, cause ladies don't want to be seen be shamed. Sure. And so I tried it um, one night. Um, in front of John. You know, I've been with John 40 years, Joe. Yes. I sat at the dinner table with him. He didn't even know I was crying That's just such a... <laughs> I sort of gave it a little test. Anyway, I, I have to say, it worked beautifully. Mm. I couldn't believe it. It was like a miracle. I thought I should have been onto this years ago. Face was smooth, smooth and hairless. And then the next morning I woke up. Stubble,
0: oh
2: like yes, yeah. massive
0: stubble.
1: Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. so I look like you know one of the River Boys from Home and Away. Like, well, <laughs> well, you know, I didn't look like that. Is more the point of a River Boy and the body of a sixty-five-year-old woman. So then, but all right, so I like to just dig in and um, grow a goatee. Yeah. <laughs> and we have to wear masks. So, you know. Ooh. Oh, jeez.
2: Oh Scott. Well that that was one of the greatest blessings of the mask. I will agree that you could nobody could see my mustache growing in my whiskers, but um
0: <laughs> this is life. That that is hilarious. Yeah. That is really, really funny. Can I, I wanna talk about um you're heading to Adelaide for Fringe. Yes. And the name of the show just is so funny for a South Australian like myself because you've called the show the Chicksal 500.
1: Sorry, I just want to point out that I'm drinking water, not
0: Oh, Good to know. Sorry, Angela. <laughs> the Chicksal 500 resonated with me as a South Australian because of the famous street race that was there for about 20 years until COVID ended the street race and then the, the state government decided not to renew the contract. So my question is, do you think you will become the next big thing in Adelaide?
1: Without doubt, and, uh, <laughs> I mean Can you explain to me what it was? Because I'm a Melbourne person through and through and it was an Adelaide person who gave the show its title and I didn't understand it. But I just went along with it. So what's the street race?
0: Well, it was called the Clipsal 500. The sponsor's name was Clipsal. So um, it was quite a, it was a famous race through the, the streets of Adelaide and it established itself as a really big tourist attraction for about 20 years. And there was huge disappointment when the race ended, when the state government decided not to renew the contract. But then here are you just seamlessly (laughs) slotting in that spot. I mean, I don't know whether you know anything about motorsport. I'm I'm assuming no, but that could be wrong. (laughs) Angela,
1: I know so little that I don't even drive I don't even drive. I don't, I don't, I've never put petrol, well, well, I did drive for a little while, so I have once or twice put petrol in a car. But that's mm-hmm. as far as I go with racing. But I guess the ladies in this show are bringing the joy of laughter. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. What if we get a lot of rev heads coming to the show? <laughs> oh, yes. Well, you might. They're not going to hear about my driver, John. <laughs> I don't know. Then, again, then
2: again, maybe they'll love it. Maybe they will. You should get along to see Chicksil 500 at the Adelaide Fringe Festival. I believe it's 1st to the 6th of March and you can get your tickets at adelaidefringe.com.au. So you're brave getting on a plane and heading interstate and you never know if the borders will get locked down and you'll never get well, back in again. Yes, yes.
1: I I keep... It's a weird feeling, isn't it, that mm. you may never see your loved ones again,
3: mm.
1: you may <laughs> spend the rest of your life in Adelaide
0: and, you know, hey, there could be worse places. It's true. Performing. My parents could look after you. Stavros think... and Athena would love to have you over.
1: Oh, I think we'd get on well. I, I love it's them good. Stavros course, it. Stavros and moussaka. moussaka. Moussaka.
2: That sounds like a good time. <laughs> Scotty, I would be jumping into uh, that offer, yeah. absolutely. Um, you, uh, If you're not in Adelaide, though, you can get, get along to see Scotty and Judith Lucy at the Malthouse Theatre in Melbourne. The next three Sundays and bookings are at malthousetheatre.com.au. Scotty, thank you so well, much. Well,
1: good luck there, Joe, because they've all sold out.
2: Oh, are they? The oh, damn
1: Malthouse it. Malthouse shows. But oh. you can try. You know, these days people are giving tickets back like, it seems to be a very flowing situation as to mm. people buying it's people deciding to do something else, people being too scared to go out, whatever. Yes, Yeah. I mean, you never know your
2: luck. And it's an outdoor show, so maybe you could just sort of pace backwards and forwards in the side street and hope that we might hear you. Oh, I like the colour of your jeans. Do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, Scotty, as always, it's divine to chat with you and thanks for coming on Broad Radio for the first time. I hope it's not the last.
1: It won't be the last. I've very much enjoyed your first two speakers.
2: Yes, it's been a great show and it's a delight to see you. You take care and all the best uh, with your shows and give our love to Jude. We love her as well. Okay,
0: see you. Thank you so much for having me. I mean, that is one
1: of the great... I'm not sure
0: how we can um, recover from that.
2: I've been speaking uh, with lots of people about uh, the conversation that uh, I knew that we were going to be having with Scotty about, you know, our bodies and what changes as we age right and mm-hmm. so i posed this question actually on my facebook over the last 24 hours of what was something kind of shopping shocking surprising or hilarious that you've noticed <laughs> about your body as it's aged because mm. I, I am so deeply grateful that I have every day and I celebrate every whisker that I grow as a way of marking the fact that I do have this incredible life. I'm so fortunate. We all are, right? So, yep. um, you know, she's Scotty's mentioned there that uh, she has old age burping, <laughs> just involuntary burping, right? So there's something <laughs> on the list that I hadn't thought of. Someone else on my Facebook mentioned that her map of Tassie has had a serious is deforestation as she's growing (laughs) which I didn't know that happened right um what about for yourself yeah apparently what about for yourself Mm. anything that you've noticed about your uh you know aging body that was is surprising or funny that you just have to embrace and celebrate
0: yeah absolutely I mean I'm lucky that my excess hair is on my head so that's a good thing but you know what has happened is that my body is making all these strange noises that it's never made before and it's a clicking creaking groaning of the (laughs) bones like just simply getting off a chair to walk to the kitchen there's a noise associated with it so it's really just it's a bit like this 1930s little house you know you know the, it, the, the noises that you get in the middle of the night just with the the walls moving yes my body does that and having yeah. an eight-year-old he often wants to play on the ground you know that they, they color in on the ground or he play with his cars on the ground and he'll say mum you know let's play and I think well if I get down and do that it's going to be difficult and noisy as I try and get up again so it's really just I don't know Wow, it's, this, it's just that those noises.
2: It's like your foundations are just drying out and cracking.
0: <laughs> cracking, yes. And I must wow. admit, I'm I'm definitely more conscious of things because I, you know, a year or so ago, I snapped my Achilles tendon. Yes. And I did that just having a home disco. Right. That's what I was doing. It yes. was nothing athletic. It was just a, a jump, a bit of an air guitar, and, mm. and a jump. Mm. And that was the end. Two centimeter gap between the bits of tendon, and I had to go to emergency. So <laughs> things things don't work like they used to work. And no. I think, my, you know, the noises are a sign of that too.
2: Absolutely. Uh, we did ask the question actually on our More to Say poll, which is our one question survey that we run every week at broadradio.com.au, and we asked the question during lockdown. So many women, of course, as you know, we weren't didn't have access to our hair salons, uh, ended up. Uh, embracing the grey, and we asked the question, mm. have you continued embracing the grey after lockdown? And, you know, the majority actually said yes, loving the grey, right? diving into the grey. So I think that's a really awesome thing to celebrate about our ageing bodies. I'll tell you something that I've noticed, Ange, um, which mm. has become a bit of a, a difficult thing to manage, and that is now we all know that our boobs get lower, right, obviously. Yes. Yep. Um You know, they sit closer to your waist than they do to your armpits, which is something to adjust to. But that's what bras are for, so that's fine. But at night time, right, when I'm not wearing a bra and I I sleep on my side, I have discovered that my breast kind of melts into the mattress, like kind of like... um, it always makes me think of one of those Salvador Dali paintings where the clock just melts. You know, that's a bit how I imagine my breast is sort of <laughs> mel- just melting into the mattress, yes. and that would yes. be that would be all fine, except that I do have a cat that tends to just tiptoe through the bed at night, and now she steps
0: on my nipple. Right, <laughs> and it's just so- sees it as an extension of the doona. <laughs> it is like a button, just like so. <laughs>
2: Like, and she just like she it's so it's it's so flat to the mantras that you can step on it in fact with two so feet bad. i think sometimes <laughs> so it's a real shock it is a real shock but you know what 1300 8 broad i did ask this question what is something about your aging body that you found really surprising or really you know you got to embrace it with a good deal of sense of humor because aren't we blessed to be here we're going to be back with some calls in just a moment Alrighty, there they are. I had to refresh my page.
0: <laughs>
2: Hello, Louise. Welcome to Broad Radio. Good morning, Louise. What is something absolutely shocking, hilarious, or surprising about your body that you have to have gone? What? I didn't expect that. Um, I've had hair growing on the back of my fingers. <laughs> what? That is not a place for hair to grow. What is is it doing it, there? No, I I don't know. It just it just one day I noticed when I was having a manicure and I was just like, where has this hair eh, come from? <laughs> are, you, are you tempted to wax it? I'm getting quite tempted to yes. Yeah. Yes, I am. <laughs> I've never I've never ever waxed the back of my fingers, but you never know. And there you are with Lemo at the footies. So um, you know, yes. Anne and I both love Lemo, and so <laughs> yes, you, you, you never know who you might meet. that's true that's true thanks so much for your call louise it's lovely to have you on broad radio um next we have let me see as i am multitasking hi there bronwyn welcome to broad radio Um, hi what have you found surprising about aging what do you
6: embrace as as with real gratitude good morning yeah so i've had a few changes in my body and mind Yes. Uh, so I used to cover my dark roots and now my dark roots are white and I have to try and cover those. Yes. Um, I have to pluck my chin every second day. Yes. And the hairs of my other body parts like my legs and my bikini line and nose hairs grow way too
0: fast.
6: Yes. <laughs> my, uh, my fingernails have become brittle. Oh. But cutting my toenails is like trying to cut steel with a bread knife.
2: What is that about <laughs> the toenails? I've noticed my toenails getting harder too.
6: They do. They get really thick and hard and it's really, really hard trying to to cut them with the small the small little uh, cutters. You need the big ones now. Yes. Um, and so every time I cough and sneeze, my radiator leaks. <laughs> <laughs> and I have to go to the elastic waist section for trousers or skirts to make room for the bloating <laughs> and, clo- and clothes with sleeves to cover my bat wings. Wow. And um, my train of thought often leaves the station without me. <laughs> and um, last of all, <laughs> um, I've lost the ability to control my bottom burps at the most inopportune time, oh, no. which happened to me a few weeks ago. Yes. Oh, just yes. a little
2: sneaky fluff will come out in public.
6: Yeah. So, yeah, I was at a little boutique dress shop with my girlfriend and I'd just eaten a piece of cake which obviously wasn't gluten free which I have to eat and it was super quiet and the lady came over and said can I help you and all of a sudden I produced this sound that broke the silence and reverberated in the store and we all just looked at each other and my friend says bud what and I was like totally oh jeez. he just looked at me in shock and walked walked away
2: well I mean you gotta you gotta be grateful that we're
6: here though so uh celebrating oh, all yeah. parts of aging Absolutely. Absolute, well it says that's the moral to the story you can age you can age gracefully but sometimes your body doesn't allow that too much yeah oh
2: thank you so much <laughs> Rowan for your call that is delightful and we'll have more broad radio after this Oh, Ange, that's been a really full show and I'm exhausted from laughing.
0: I know. It's been illuminating about, you know, what, um, what we can look forward to in the future as well with more burping and farting. And <laughs> it's like we regress because that's how it all kind of starts in I life, with burping and farting. And we're going to end like that. The
2: good thing is I think we care less about it too. I think that's really True. important.
0: <laughs> now we do the have the grey to wrap hair up. is a bit of an issue for me though because I've yeah. been such a dark haired woman. When mm. it comes through, it is like tinsel. It's, yeah, it's very very shiny.
2: But at some point, you're going to have to kind of accept it.
0: Do an Elsa and just let it go. Yeah, let it go. <laughs> at some point, <laughs> Yeah, I will.
2: Um, We uh, have a few things to do before we wrap up. Um, Firstly, uh, tell me very quickly your beautiful documentary about the T20 cricket on International Women's Day last year. Um, Can you tell us the record How's
0: it been going? I watched it. I loved it. It's amazing. You can
2: catch it on Amazon Prime, by the way.
0: Oh, fantastic. So much has been written about it. More than Mm. 600 articles, reviews. So lots of words, all glowing, positive um, reviews, which is fantastic. Um, People seem to be enjoying Beth Mooney the most Mm. of all the characters. And I think you said the same to me as well. She's uh, got a very dry delivery. She's laconic. She doesn't mind dropping the F-bomb. So she's been um, a lot of fun and also in sort of busting a few myths about women and sport as well. So she's been terrific to to, um, hear feedback about. Um, But also the themes of equality and belonging on the bigger stage Mm -hmm. have resonated with a lot of people. And that's really what it's about. And you don't have to love cricket, do no. you, to uh, to enjoy that and to and to understand what what we're putting together? Yeah, absolutely. Good. But it's also,
2: and the the thing that I really loved about it, and I'm not a huge cricket fan, I will admit, but I, I am now deeply enamoured with Meg Lang Meg Lanning, who is our captain. Mm. She's extraordinary. Yes. Um, yes. But I just loved watching all of the cricketers, and you have access to all of the different teams from around the world. Just how much they love. Playing cricket and the joy that they get from this sport and from this extraordinary opportunity—it is absolutely inspiring. And also, it kind of just—it's infectious. You—you you can't not love
0: what you're watching. Yeah, I mean, these women are professional athletes, mm. and but they all have different personalities, and that's what we enjoyed as well. As yeah. you sort of put them in front of the camera and do a, a two-hour interview, and you really get a sense of what makes them tick, and they're all quite different. Um, so it's been good because in the past women athletes either haven't been covered at all or when mm. they have, um, it's been in a very one-dimensional way. So we really wanted to show them as women first and cricketers second. Um, yeah. So it's, it's been good. I mean, I'm enjoying the, the feedback because we love it, but we are very close to it, Nicole and I, the producers. Mm. It's, it's good to, to see that it's making a splash
2: yeah, it's fantastic. Do check it out on Amazon. It's so great. It's a two-part documentary. I spread it over two nights but only because I had a child and a husband in my ear distracting me and I wanted to give it full attention. So, um, <laughs> But you could easily binge it in an evening with a lovely glass of wine. It's delightful. So well done, Ange. Congratulations on that. Thanks, Joe. Thank you. Now, uh, before we go, I just would like to mention that next week on the show we do have Liberty Sanger, who is the Head of Injuries at Morris Blackburn Lawyers, and she's going to be answering your questions that you may have, specifically with regard to employment law. So if you have had an experience or if you have any questions as to your rights, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us at broadradio.com.au or you can message us on Facebook, Broad Radio Oz, or or, uh, you can tweet us, actually, even DM us on on twitter if you wish um but we would love to hear from you if you have any questions for liberty that will be next week we hope you have a good week until then thanks so much Ange. thanks joe we'll see you soon
4: hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter